Hello, and welcome to Bedrock, a podcast on Earth's earliest history. I'm your host, Dylan Wilmeth. Today, I'll be interviewing Dr. Joti Hoyard, a research fellow at the University of Science and Technology in Hefei, China, and a good friend of mine. Joti got his bachelor's and master's degrees in Lyon, France, before heading to Paris for his PhD, where we first met working in the same laboratory. Since then, Jyoti has been a postdoctoral researcher in Paris and Granada, Spain. Dr. Hoyard is tackling a very difficult question in Earth history. If we find a funny-looking rock, is it a fossil, or is it something else? For fossils like dinosaurs and seashells, that may seem like a silly question. We all know what a bone looks like. But for ancient rocks with tiny fossils that have been squeezed for billions of years, the question becomes much more difficult. In episode 16, we looked at carbon inside the Jack Hill zircons and asked, is that a fossil or not? And we'll keep asking that question for several seasons. With that in mind, it's time to turn to an expert. Without any further ado, Dr. Joti Riyad. Dr. Huyad, Joti, it's great to have you. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, I'm happy to be there, Dylan. Before we dive into talking about early life and what things may or may not be alive, tell me how you got your start in geology. What drew you to the field? I grew up in, in quite a remote area in France, surrounded by nature, seeing flowers. It encouraged curiosity in, in these things. What interested me the most was nature. I didn't want to go to studies where I would stay in an office and, and not, not look at the flowers. <laughs> Molecular biologists, they're always in a lab wearing uh, all white and being super careful about putting anything because they could die because this acid could kill them. And also they need to learn a ton of names of molecules. And I was like, I think that's not for me. And actually, at this point, the field that, um, that felt the best for that was uh, geology. So it was actually very good times and made a lot of friends. I said, yeah, I think uh, I found the right place and the right people. So I want to continue in this direction. Yeah, if you like hiking in the outdoors, if you, I mean, you have to go to the rocks, right? The rocks are not going to come to you. <laughs> so being outside, you know, you have rocks, you have life. You know, sometimes growing up, you sort of hear this you know, idea that these are separate things. You know, a rock is a rock and life is life. But on Earth, the, the geosphere and the biosphere are incredibly closely intertwined together. We would both consider ourselves geobiologists. And for people yes. who aren't really familiar with this term, it's like a paleontologist, whereas a paleontologist looks at traces of ancient life like dinosaurs and stuff. A geobiologist is even more broad. Um, you know, beyond fossils of bones and shells yes. and, and leaves, um, we're looking for ancient bacteria or organic carbon. And you took that and you took it as far as you could back in, into Earth's ancient past. Yes, because it also feels like this is all so amazing. How did it come to be? Because we don't know much about it. To me, it was really intriguing. And I said, okay, I love looking at life. And I also want to tackle something that I feel is very difficult and mysterious, and that is actually life. And it's more and more difficult um, the deeper you go in time. And so I actually, during my studies, progressively shifted towards very ancient times because I felt there was a lot to be done. And basically it was mysterious. 
yeah, it is a completely different world back then as we're slowly seeing episode through episode. And we've just yes. come to the time in our podcast where we're starting to talk about early life. At yes. the current moment in our podcast, we're about between 4 and 4.4 billion years ago. And there is no definitive evidence for life at this point, though a lot of people think it probably existed. But let's start with what we're grounded in. So Jyoti, what are the earliest fossils on Earth? What do they look like and, and how old are they? I would say the earliest fossils probably date from 3.5 billion years ago. I'm talking about fossils of cells. When you say a cell, you're talking about like a single bacteria cell, like microscopic size. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Single-celled organisms. So bacteria. Well, they look much like bacteria today. You know, uh, they have a lot of shapes, but most of the time they're quite simple. Like filaments, like, like your hair, if you want. Very simple spheres. Um, you also have very interesting spindle shapes. So these spindle shapes are a bit more intriguing. Some people are debating them that these are uh, actually life. So Yeah, uh, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> to me, they look like almost little almonds, actually. A weird almond, if you want. <laughs> a weird uh, almond, yeah. You also have some weird star-shaped uh, structures. Uh, but again, these are debated. There are not so many. It's always difficult. And of course, they're all very degraded. So you see the overall shape, but there is no internal structure. The internal structure is really bad. So it's, uh, it's difficult to say that we could recognize something as being life at this point. Even the stuff that most people would agree on, it's 3.5 billion years old, which to use the Earth calendar, that would be around late March early in Earth's history, but not quite as early as we've been talking about for the past few episodes. So you have some spears, you have some, you know, hair-like structures, some funny-looking almonds. They're degraded. It certainly isn't a T-Rex. <laughs> oh, no. Um, no, that would be super simple. <laughs> and so as you mentioned, a lot of these shapes are pretty simple, and that leads a lot of people to ask, is there anything else on Earth that can make similar shapes? Any process that, let's say, doesn't need life. Yeah, that's actually the issue because there are many processes we know in the earth that can actually create structures that look like these microfossils since they are very simple. And uh, there are many of them actually. And in general, we call them biomorphs. How would you define a, a biomorph? Well, it looks morphologically like life. That's actually where the name comes from. A biomorph looks like life. And sometimes it even adds the further complication that it has a similar chemistry. Mm. But at least the chemistry of a degraded organism. Carbon you're talking about, right? Yes. If you have an organic biomorph, and at least to the naked eye or to basic instruments, it will look the same. So you will need to really look at very specific things into the organic matter which are very complicated and, and nobody agrees with, it's very difficult. And uh, yes, yeah, so we know biomorphs from different fields. We know them from, uh, well, experimental chemistry. Uh, those people were curious and, and they found that you could create uh, barium, carbonate and silica. You can create super complex morphologies. But there are others, uh, the association of carbon and sulfur can create complex biomorphs. They are partly organic. They really look like life. There have been experiments done in the last years, uh, made by, by us actually at IPGP, 
and, and by another group in Paris. We were creating basically rocks and, and degrading it experimentally to try and mimic what happens in the earth. So we were trying to mimic the formation of a rock. And if we add organics in there, very simple organic uh, molecules, or it could be just oil or uh, alcohol. Um, oh, I see. I see how yes, it is. Bringing alcohol yes, into yes, work. Yes. You know, you have leftover from your party. So you say, okay, let's put it in the rock. Nobody will see. So, <laughs> so what does it do? We cut the rock and we looked at the microscope and we saw that there were small microstructures. Things like look like filaments, small spheres. So just adding organics and degrading them already creates microstructures. They are the simplest biomorphs you could imagine. People were not really aware of that before, but it's actually very important. You're taking this non-living carbon, adding it to the rocks that you're making in the lab, and you're yes. forming structures that look very much like the oldest fossils, these spheres, yes. these filaments, these... Uh, we're going to put some photos of this up on the website. Some of these are beautiful. In other experiments you did, sometimes they look like little palm trees or like little shells even. They, they form incredibly complicated designs that if I showed you it, you might think, oh, that, that looks like an organism. It looks yes. like a tiny, tiny creature, but it has nothing to do with life. Yes, that's what's amazing. It's a very simple system, but it creates a ton of different morphologies that really look like life. You've done these laboratory experiments and you've thought a lot about what makes life living or not, but in the end, we have to look at the rocks and see what's there. And you've done yes. that. You visited Western Australia to look at uh, a very famous and, uh, and a very controversial location. Yes. This is one that you mentioned mm -hmm. that people have visited for decades. It's called the Apex Chert, 3.5 billion years old in Western Australia. Uh, before we talk about all the, the science that goes into it, let's imagine that the audience and the two of us are standing at your location together. Paint us a word picture. What does your field site look like? It's truly a, a very nice place. It's in the middle of the Australian bush. When around you, there is nobody. Sometimes you can look up to the horizon and you won't see any person. It's actually a very nice experience. Uh, you feel on another planet sometimes. I say it was very nice, but I was there during, during Austral winter. I think I would not have had the same feeling if I had there during Australian summer. It gets to be like 40 degrees Celsius, more than 100 degrees oh, Fahrenheit yes. out there. So we always yeah. try to work there in the winter whenever possible. Yeah. So if you look around, well, sometimes you also have kangaroos. If you're lucky, <laughs> if your eye is on the right spot and if it's moving, you will mm -hmm. you may see kangaroos. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful landscape. There are no. not a lot of people there, but there are a lot of rocks. The Apex Chert has these microfossils, 3.5 billion years old, and people have seen shapes in them, shapes that look just as you said, they look like, they look like bacteria. They have sort of these hair-like, worm-like shapes. But you didn't see as many of these uh, features as other people before. So what, what did you see in these rocks? Before, people have, uh, have reported these structures only in a few samples, and they have only been found by one other group since. In the end, we didn't find these structures. 
And that goes to show that, yeah, they are really rare in this formation, which is not the case for other formations. And we actually found a very interesting spindle-like microstructures in other locations. As we've talked about, these are very simple shapes that life easily makes, but a lot of other processes can easily make. It's almost as simple as forming a cube out of table salt. You can form a sphere, you can form a rod, you can form a filament. At this point, a lot of people might just throw their hands in the air and say, well, how do we know? How do we look at yeah. these old rocks and know anything about anything at all? Yes. Uh, and a, a lot of previous work has looked at individual fossils, looked at, okay, what's the shape of this sphere? What does this filament look like? But Jyoti, you've taken a really interesting uh, approach that sort of zooms back out. It's like taking, looking at individual parts of a painting, but what you're doing is you're looking at the entire painting itself. So do you want to talk about how you're comparing populations of cells and seeing how the shapes of these populations can tell us whether they were actually living or... Yes, I compared modern bacteria. So at least I'm sure those are alive. <laughs> yes. Modern bacteria mm -hmm. with biomorphs. And so I took like, pictures of these uh, different objects. But I took pictures where, where I had entire populations of maybe... 100, 200, 300 objects. Of course, if you look at the shape of individual bacteria, not very different from the biomorph. This is how the term was defined. The biomorph looks like life. Exactly. So <laughs> actually, you need to look at different populations together. If you look at a large number of populations together, then they occupy different spaces on some parameters you can distinguish uh, these different types of objects. But you see, you need to have a lot of distance with your objects and not be the nose in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need to step back and look at entire rocks or entire pieces oh. of rocks. Like a, and, yes. and, that, and that, it might be a silly analogy, but one I like is if you're comparing something that looks alive versus something that is alive, wax fruit. Wax fruit has certain patterns, like you only see wax fruit in bowls on tables and no one gets to eat it. Whereas living fruit, you see on trees in the wild itself. Now, what I'm trying to go with this is that populations of living things and populations of things that look like living things can have very different distributions. And that's similar to what you see in the rocks. And so what you can do now is now that you know, okay, living things like to clump together just so, uh, non-living things like to clump together just so, you can take an ancient rock and compare it between these two. And I can say, all right, do the patterns of items in this rock look more like life, like cells, or like biomorphs, non-living things? Yes, that's it. What's your coolest field story? One morning when I woke up, it was quite early uh, in Australia, and I had a walk and I saw a kangaroo. I think he didn't notice me at first. And then he got a little bit of red, but there was a huge man-made uh, pit and it fell. It slipped okay. in the pit. So this pit, I guess it was made to like store uh, iron ore or something. But, and I was like, what? And I didn't know what to do, but... I didn't want to get near it because uh, because I know it could 
both be too stressful for uh, for it and also it could also uh, I know hurt me or so I didn't approach it but it was going up trying to go up but it was slippery um, up and down up and down and it, it was trying to find a way but it was difficult at some point I remember it managed to get out it took a, a lesser steep path but apart from this uh, yeah I mean to be in the field and let's say to, to have a nice beer at the end of your day with uh, with your colleagues and your, yeah that's very nice there's nothing better than a cold drink at the end of a long hot day in the yes. Australian outback. <laughs> yes. And what's something that's not geology related, that's outside of the sciences completely, that, that brightens your day? Usually a place in nature where I can just go sit and relax and, and observe things. For example, just go out and, and have a have a walk or even go on a, on a hike with friends. That's really nice. Just gathering with a few friends in a cozy place and playing board games. That makes not my day. That makes my year, actually. <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> well, speaking of talking about science with people you like, it has been a pleasure having you on the show, Jyoti. Um, before we sign off, uh, is there any place where people can contact you if they're interested about your research? Email is the easiest. We'll put a link on the on the website too for people to look at. If people are interested, uh, welcome to contact me. Well, Jody, it's been great having you on the show. And I know you're doing a lot of cool work into early life. Uh, I can't wait to see where it goes. And <laughs> Thank you. When, whenever you have a new discovery, uh, we'll have you back on the show again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bedrock part of Bee Giants Media. If you like what you've heard today, please take a second to rate our show. If just one person rates the show every week or tells a friend, that makes us more visible to other curious folks. It always makes my day, and that one person could be you. See you next time.